Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase them all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For today's educational episode, we are talking about flossing. Now, kids, before we get worried, not the <laughs> flossing your dentist talks about, but tissue flossing. How often do you actually use flossing? You know, right now, not often. We don't... I mean, non-COVID times. <laughs> I've done it here and there, and I, and as we get going in the episode, I'll, I'll tell you why, but I have used it, just it's not my first go-to. Interesting, and actually, we put this up on our Instagram story, too, and we did get a lot of people who say it's not their, it's kind of like a second or last resort. That's about how I feel with it. What about you? Have you used it? I mean, I have a floss band, but I really, really, well, I can't ever say that I've actually ever used on an athlete. I've used it on you. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm the guinea pig, by the way. When <laughs> when she's ready to practice something, I get to be the subject. But here's the thing, too. I mean, I've worked in so many settings that I've really only had my hands. So it's hard for me to do something that's not manual therapy and rehab. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, All I All those you. fancy tools are kind of like above my pay grade. <laughs> It's a latex band. <laughs> fancy? I feel like this is the least fancy of all tools. So, as you said, we had a pretty good response from Instagram, I'd say. Um, but one of your friends, like one of your colleagues from your cohort, had a pretty good uh, anecdotal evidence of floss bands. Yeah, so actually this was in our Facebook group. So Lakeisha and I were talking back and forth on one of our posts, and she said that she actually does use floss bands on ankle sprains, which I thought was really interesting. And she said she's had athletes' swelling go down and had them walking sooner than having them do the typical rice method. She said, I place the floss band at about 25% stretch the first two to three days and have them do 20 to 30 ankle pumps, and then I'll have them stand and do 20 to 30 calf raises. If they can stand on their own. I'll then take the band off and have them redo both exercises. I'll do this process two times. It seems to have worked with my athletes. At about day three to four, I increased stretch to 50%. Nice. I like how she included the percentages on how much of a stretch she puts. Because I'm actually going to talk about that when I talk about tissue flossing for recovery. And there is some literature that has examined the differences in pressure and how it affects the tissue. Interesting. You want to go over, actually, I don't think we've even talked about what we're going to talk about in this episode. You're correct. So our goal for this episode (laughs) is we're going to review the role of fascia during movement. The biggest thing is with tissue flossing, you're influencing the fascia. So I feel like we need a nice review of what fascia is and what it does. Then we're going to discuss tissue flossing before exercise. And then we're going to review some doms. Dom, dom, doms. Delayed onset muscle soreness. Hey, that was pretty good. I like <laughs> I like my little sound effect there. Um, because after that review of DOMS, we're going to talk about tissue flossing as a recovery. Awesome. So the reason we're here, fascia. So fascia plays a supporting role for the musculoskeletal system. It assi- assists in the delivery of nutrients to the muscle. It also assists in force transmission during muscle contraction by either improving elastic storage when the muscle's on a quick stretch. It can transfer force along the fascial line. So if you're a big anatomy trains fan, if one area of a fascial train is contracting and adding tension, it's going to work its way down the line, improving the efficiency. The biggest example I can think of is the posterior chain. 
So as we've discussed when, before, when you're running, a quick stretch on that swing phase improves the efficiency of the whole posterior chain. So that's one way. Another way that most people don't think about is when muscle contracts, the fascia actually helps transfer, transfer force horizontally across different muscle fibers within the same muscle. So essentially what that does is it just creates a more efficient force transmission than just going, you know, what we think about as a muscle contraction as the muscle shortening contracting towards the middle, right? The force is actually transferred horizontally as well to other muscle fibers within that same muscle. So it's pretty cool. I don't know if this analogy makes sense, but maybe you can help me make it make sense. But you know when like there's water and then you put like a paper towel on top of that water and then the paper towel starts to absorb that water and the water kind of spreads throughout the paper towel. Is that kind of what you're talking about with the fascia? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it just helps create a more effective muscle contraction and transfers force effectively instead of overloading one area. Now, essentially, for fascia to be effective in all of these tasks, it must be adequately hydrated. That's right. The ground substance is like a gel. And if it's not hydrated, well, we've seen what happens when gel is not hydrated. It doesn't move very well. It becomes very viscous. <laughs> That's the word of the day. Viscous. Okay. And also, you don't want any dense areas of collagen that affect the mobility of that fascial line. So as we heal, right, our body heals with collagen. This is the same thing for fascia. As fascia adapts, it adds more collagen. Well, if there's a dense area of collagen, collagen's nice and stiff and strong. It doesn't move very well. You want nice, smooth lines of collagen. Nice. So actually, Lakeisha also said that she uses floss bands for warm-ups for her baseball athletes. And so like the throwers will come in and ask for it before games and practice. So do you also use floss bands before exercise? Most of the time when I've used it, that's what it was for. It was for someone who was feeling tight. They wanted something. And if instrument assisted didn't really get like, oh, it helped, but I still kind of feel it. I don't really have time for cupping or if it's on like the joint itself. So a cup's not really going to work. I'll throw this in. And the one athlete I used it for, she would get instrument assisted like all the time and i finally asked her i was like does this like help and she says oh, a little bit not really i said okay let's try this i tried the floss band had her do some squats because it was for her knee and boom she was like oh my gosh this is awesome what was it for so this particular athlete had a lot of cartilage degeneration she basically was starting to get advanced stages of osteoarthritis. She was a thrower, yeah. So her knee joint would tighten up a lot. So this is one way that we helped loosen that knee joint. Prior exercise? Yep. Nice. So speaking of tissue flossing before exercise, most of the literature has looked at floss bands as a way of a warm-up. So essentially what you're trying to think, right, increase range of motion, right, get rid of that tightness. Let's see if we can improve muscle performance that way. So... The studies that have looked at range of motion changes have actually found small increases. So it has improved range of motion. Not huge, just modest increases. The studies that have looked at the floss bands around the ankle joint have shown the increases in range of motion. But when the floss bands apply to the thigh, knee, and uh, hip range of motion haven't changed very much. They haven't seen really any improvement. Now... Before you think, oh, well, I can never use floss bands around the thigh ever again to increase (laughs) range of motion, you also have to account for that there's a difference between the band being applied to the joint and not, right? If you're applying the band straight to the joint, you're affecting that restricted tissue in the joint. 
right? If it's not restricted in the tissue, in the thigh, it's not going to help. Also, a lot of muscles can influence how the range of motion of the hip happens, mm-hmm. right? So maybe the hamstring isn't tight or the thigh musculature isn't tight, but the glutes are. So you apply the band on the thigh and uh, it's not really going to affect what's tight. So you also have to keep that in mind. And remember, these studies, they use subjects that are healthy. So they're not, they didn't look for subjects that have, oh, limited hamstring mobility or limited quad mobility. No, they looked at regular, healthy college students. And there is a fact, like if you don't have any more range of motion to gain, well, doing this floss band is probably not going to give you more range of motion. And that also goes into the fact that studies that have looked at elite athletes in floss band found even less of an improvement than regular recreationally active adults because if you're an elite athlete, you probably already have higher levels of range of motion than a recreational athlete. So your capacity to gain range of motion is a lot less. That's an interesting take. So the biggest thing when we're talking about warm-up is we want to talk about how does it affect muscle performance? And I can tell you it doesn't hurt muscle performance. Like static stretching does? (laughs) Exactly. So there may be some increase. You know, some studies have shown strength might show a small increase. Oh, I wonder why that is. Some of it could be now the muscles of contracting more efficiently. Okay. The mobility of the fascia is a little bit better. So now the muscle is able to work more efficiently. You can kind of look at it at that. But the increase in strength was such a small number. It almost brought up the point, like, what's the relevance? Like, is there any clinical relevance to this increase in strength? Mm-hmm. Next, a lot of people are very like, okay, that's cool. Strength increased, whatever. But what does that mean athletically? So when you look at jump and sprint performance. Two it, very athletic movements. Yeah, those are very applicable. The literature's mixed. Some studies show jump, you know, jumping improved, and then some show jumping didn't. And that's the same for sprinting. One study showed a small increase or improvement in sprinting ability. But again, it's not a lot of evidence supports that idea. So what I'm hearing is if you're looking to see if it affects sprint or jump performance in your own athlete, you need to try it and determine it for your own athlete. You can at least be confident that it won't hurt their performance, which is a good thing. Right? We don't want to do something that, okay, they got random range of motion, but now their performance blows. <laughs> like static stretching. Yes. And the reason that this literature is so mixed on how it affects actual functional movement is, remember, only one muscle group is being tested in these studies. They're not doing like, oh, we'll do calves, then we'll do hamstrings, then we'll do quad. No. They're only testing like, oh, we just test the ankle joint and then that's it. Well, these motions, these movements use a lot of muscles involved. And the glutes, first of all, are huge in athletic performance, especially jumping and sprinting ability. And that wasn't even accounted for in these studies. So you got to keep that in mind. Could you imagine doing a floss band on a glute? Ooh, I feel like that'd be really (laughs) hard, really hard. And remember, these findings are based on a statistical significance. So you have to remember... The group didn't improve, but maybe one athlete will. You know, you have to take your individual athlete's needs into consideration. Also, a tenth of a second in sprint time could make the difference. A huge difference. So just because that's not a statistical significance does not mean like, oh, well, this modality is trash. I'm never going to use it. That's not necessarily true. Remember, you got to take some of this research 
in with a grain of salt. Honestly, research can never be absolutes. Yeah, you've. I feel like you've said that before. I just said never, which is an absolute, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So what you're saying is research is not a Sith Lord. So what I'm saying is <laughs> let's not go to extremes. <laughs> and then, like we said before, the pressure does make a difference when you're using a floss band. Most people just say, all right, let's just put the band on and let's crank that baby up. And you will get results, but there was one study that looked at the difference between a lower pressure and a high pressure. And the pressure that was under 180 millimeters of mercury actually showed better results in range of motion and strength. Interesting. Exactly. So the idea that I think here is if you put it up, like crank that bad boy to where, you know, you're starting to see the muscle squeeze out of the leg. (laughs) Um, it creates a lot of discomfort. You know, some people may not respond to that and they may feel like this is really uncomfortable and I don't like it. So now you're not going to see the improvements that you want because now they don't feel comfortable going to their extremes in their range of motion. Okay, what about doms? Dom, dom, dom. I'm sorry. I brought it back one more time. I was really proud of it. <laughs> I wanted to use it still. You can bring it back as much as you want. So doms, we're all familiar with doms, right? It's not a fun experience. It doesn't feel great. I know I'm a baby when I'm sore. Yeah, that's why he doesn't work out with me. That is not necessarily true. But what causes this discomfort? The original idea was, oh, there's disrupted sarcomeres, right? If we all remember, the sarcomeres are that functional unit of the muscle, right? It's the basic part that creates muscle contraction. But this isn't consistently found in all DOM studies. And when you think about disruption to the sarcomeres, that's more consistent with what's termed exercise-induced muscle damage, which is not the reality of training. Your athletes aren't going out there all the time getting... um, muscle damage right that's really when you hook them up to a isokinetic dynamometer and crush their biceps or something like that one area from a lot of the dom stuff that i read and i have read a lot of doms if you guys are new randy reads a lot so So he's not being exaggerative right now so with doms there really does come an inflammatory response you can term doms as a low-grade muscle strain right There's an inflammatory response that comes with this because that's how your body adapts. That's how your body heals. Well, when you work out, you need to adapt. So you will find white blood cell infiltration. Well, when you get those macrophages, when you get those neutrophils, all that, they all signal different cytokines that will also come into the area to signal healing. All this signaling that's going on, all the chemicals they use to help with that signaling, increase pain and they increase discomfort. So... That's where DOMS really comes into play is you see a lot of cytokines, white blood cells, basically inflammatory response like any normal injury, just on a lesser degree than, say, someone who just strained their hamstring, right? It's it's just a lesser degree, but still has those same effects, and that's why you're seeing that pain. And then also you can see a calcium leakage, right? The muscles need calcium to create contraction, and that's why they think sometimes contractile properties, strength, and force production decrease with doms is there's an excess of calcium that just leaked out of the muscle and another important thing is that you have to consider with doms fascia is highly involved as we just said fascia has a huge role in creating force so this is the same during exercise the fascia supports the muscle and if we're not talking about damage to the muscle there's going to be another tissue damaged that tissue 
just so happens to have a lot of collagen, a lot of fibroblasts, a lot of white blood cells. I think you can guess what tissue that is. The fascia. The fascia. So this ties right on into why I think tissue flossing could be a pretty good recovery modality. So there's only one article that has looked at how tissue flossing affects DOMS, and there actually was an improvement. Really? Yes. The pain from DOMS is actually less using tissue flossing than not. Interesting. Yes. The bummer is this article only looked at pain, so they didn't look at anything functional. They just looked at pain. So you mean at the end of the article they said more research is needed? <laughs> that, that is what they said. More research is needed on these functional tasks, yes. But it is something. It does show that it can help with discomfort. And it goes back to what Lakeisha said in her anecdote, right? This pressure, the amount of pressure you put, could influence this. And that's what I think. I want. I personally want to exper- experiment with uh, floss bands as a recovery. So by applying a lighter pressure, it doesn't occlude the venous system, right? When you think about blood pressure, your systolic's always higher. Your diastolic's normal would be around 80. Obviously, each patient is different. But if you do, if you apply something that's over 80 millimeters of mercury in pressure, the vein's just going to close. Well, how are you going to pump things out when that vein's closed? So applying the floss band with like 25% stretch, that's not a lot of pressure. You could be helping get rid of any swelling, which DOMS has a swelling component, that whole inflammatory response. So you can help push that stuff out. Also, that compression has been shown to be huge in improving recovery. Compression has definitely been supported to help decrease DOMS and improve the recovery after exercise. Also, the floss band adds a stimulus to the connective tissue because the whole idea is you're putting pressure on the tissue, then you add movement, the fascia underneath is getting pulled, it's causing shearing. Well, that's how the fascia stimulates its healing process. It responds to mechanical stimulus, which movement and then the shearing from the pressure, then signals the fascia like, oh, we need to um, add collagen along this line of stress. That's the basics of what we learned in our AT programs during rehab is tissue heals based on how it is stressed. So you can improve the, the laying down of collagen and ensure that, hey, I'm not getting collagen to clump up in one place because I'm helping smooth it out. Okay, so I know that there are a lot of people like me who have not used floss bands I know something for me is, yeah, I have a floss band, but I don't necessarily know parameters on, on, I wouldn't feel confident on applying it on a patient without doing more research. So could you provide me with some basic parameters that maybe you would use for recovery? Yeah, I, I would say for someone who's just trying it out, and this is something I want to do is I would apply a lighter pressure. I wouldn't go in and crank on it like, oh, let's go all the way, balls to the wall. You know, I wouldn't necessarily go for that. Because my idea is the whole point is we're trying to add compression, get stuff out. Well, if we add too much pressure, how effective are we pushing stuff out? So I would say gauge it off the patient. Ask them, you know, how tight is it? It doesn't feel too tight. You want something pretty light. So I would just go with kind of like what Lakeisha was saying. Go off of the amount of stretch. You know, you may not have to do it as light as 25, but maybe a 50% stretch to start may add... Um, just enough pressure that the 
the veins aren't being occluded and affecting that return of waste product and damaged tissue and all that. Now, are you assisting them in the movement? Are you having them do the movement? I would say keep it active, you know, because the best part about the active movement is you get the muscle pump action. I was just thinking that. So now those muscles are pumping all the bad stuff after exercise and pumping it out of that area, decreasing their pain. And then how long would you leave it on? So that is actually a good question. Thank you for reminding me. Most of the studies that have done it have done one to three minutes. So yeah, they they did That's off actually of, longer than I, I would have expected. And some of that does go off of how hard you're applying this because some people like to use this as a surrogate to blood flow restriction or blood flow occlusion, mm -hmm. which if you're occluding blood flow or restricting the amount of blood flow to the muscles, you don't want to leave it on too long because then, you know, bad things happen. So that's why they've kind of done it with, as a time base. Like it's a really quick treatment overall. And that is the nice thing about this is it is something quick that the athlete can kind of do on their own and doesn't require me standing there with the blade, you know. So th that is another positive of tissue flossing. Cool. And then you can do it before exercise for like a warm up or you can do it after for that recovery. Yes, absolutely. You can do it for both. I personally am feeling that this might be more beneficial as a recovery as opposed to a warm up. I think there are way better things to do besides tissue flossing for a warm up, but if you if your athletes like it and you've seen great re results with it, absolutely go for it. That's just my clinical opinion that I feel like this might be a better recovery than an actual warm-up, but each athlete's different. So, you guys, we want to know what you guys think, and we already got some results on our Instagram stories, but we also want to hear what you guys think in our Facebook group. So, we're going to post an episode thread like we always do. If you're not part of our Facebook group, it's called AT Corner Community. You can go ahead and search it on Facebook, or you can go to facebook.com slash group slash AT Corner Podcast. There's only one membership question to join, and that's where did you hear about our podcast? And then you should automatically be approved to, to head on in and join the conversation. Going back to what you said about the response that we got from Instagram, one of our Instagram followers that I was chatting with said that there's not a lot of info on tissue flossing. And, you know, there's because there's not a lot of info, there's not a lot of education and there needs to be more of that. I hope this is what you were talking about. Yeah. Awesome. That's like perfect timing too. It worked out perfectly. I think too, you guys, if you are not a reader or if you are a reader, but you don't know where to start, Randy, how many, how many articles do you think you had on this? Specifically for tissue flossing there, I had seven and that's really all there was. There's really not a lot. And that's just English literature there is some that i think was in german that also looked at doms but because it was in german and i unfortunately i do not know how to read german sounds like you need to start duolingo <laughs> apparently but i think that one also found improvement in doms but i didn't count that one because i can't read german so you guys if you want to start get a head start on that, that reading um if you want to go in more in depth than what randy was talking about here we actually have the citations on our website which is down in the show notes or or video description below also because i included some doms and fascia stuff those research those uh articles will also be there okay well. perfect so if you guys are new we actually do every other episode as education or stories so this was clearly an education episode at least i hope so <laughs> so next episode is going to be stories if you guys want to know what our upcoming stories are we always post them in our instagram stories so make sure to be on the lookout for that and then you can DM us or email us at atcornards at gmail.com to submit your own and possibly be featured. 
Nice. I like that. All right, Randy, let's wrap it up. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.